Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Please turn there with me if you have a Bible or a Bible app. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, good morning, y'all. Thanks for joining us this morning for the umpteenth day of social distancing gathering. Um, yeah, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor. Thanks for joining us this morning. We are launching a new sermon series, kind of launched it last week. You know, the last week was ending the last sermon series, and this week starting the new one, uh, Be Filled with the Spirit. Um, before we jump in, though, uh, I would like to just pause. We've, we've seen another, another week of... Uh, civil unrest and um, protests and violence. Um, so let's just pause for a minute and pray. Uh, so take a moment and pray with me. Father, um, man, I come to you in this time of need and, and uh, I struggle at times to find the words. Romans 8 says that, that in those moments when we are groaning, because we don't know how to pray. The Spirit, you, you intercede for us and you pray with groanings too deep for words. And so I pray, Spirit, that you would be interceding on our behalf. Both ways, Spirit. That you would be bringing the requests we should be bringing before the throne and you would be working in our hearts that we might grow and be changed, that we might not simply batten down the hatches and, and find our comfortable corners and go to war with those that we perceive as our enemies. And, and, but Lord, you, you would give us the gift of humility, that you would awaken us to those things in our hearts that contribute to the systemic problems around us, those places where we put our comfort over other people's need, where, where we look for economic advantage instead of the flourishing of human life, where we want to increase our experience of security at the cost of the security of others, where, where we place ourselves first over, uh, Lord, others and, and at the expense of others. Give us the gift of repentance, Lord. Give us the gift of change that we might recognize where we are part of the problem around us because there are no innocent parties. And then in pushing into change and pushing into repentance, Lord, that we might be able not only to grow in grace but become a force of grace in the lives of those around us that we might be able to bring comfort to the wounded, that we might stand up for justice for those that are uh, unjustly treated and afflicted, that we might be, um, Lord, part of your work to redeem and restore this world, not simply to build our kingdoms and establish our wealth and to, to put ourselves first, 
But Lord, to as you have told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, to, to value the, the values of the kingdom of heaven more than the kingdoms of, of men, that, that we would put your will um, to see people honored and to see your name glorified, to see the, the, the economy of love flourish. So we pray for our leaders locally, regionally, and nationally, and ask, Lord, that you would give them the profound gift of humility and wisdom. They need both. And we pray, Lord, for those that are more interested in power than in, in the goodness of, of human life, that, Lord, you would diminish their platform and reduce their influence and, and Lord, raise up statesmen, people that are going to be more interested in um, serving for the benefit of others than accumulating power for themselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, I want to remind you that if you're tuning in online and you haven't yet, make sure you connect with us on social media, like us on Facebook, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it helps feed our ego, not really. It helps you stay connected. It's a great way for us to get information to you and do you stay connected to us. And, and specifically on Facebook, we've got a Facebook men's and women's page where, where people are praying for each other and encouraging each other and sharing information with each other. Um, and, and would love to have you join us in those if you want to be part of our community online during this time of social distancing. I've been doing a lot of talking with people um, during this pandemic. As you can imagine, right, the work of a pastor doesn't end um, because we're social distanced. It just becomes a little more social distance. And I, I spend a lot of time asking people, how you doing? Right. And, and honestly, I've, I've gotten a lot of people asking me how I'm doing. And, and I find that there's one answer that seems to flow to the top over and over and over again, and that very simply is, is tired, right? I find myself saying that. People are like, how are you? And I'm like, man, I'm just, everything's harder these days. Everything takes more energy. I'm just tired. And, 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 and I hear that back. I hear a lot of people saying, man, I'm just exhausted, right? I'm under stress, and the world is filled with stressors. I'm just tired. Y'all, I, I like cars. How's that for an abrupt transition? I like cars. I enjoy cars. Um, I like working on cars as long as I don't have to. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm a, a hobbyist wrench turner. I, I like to work on cars um, if I don't have to. And, and that's because I actually learned how to working on, work on cars because I had to, right? I, I had a lot of cars over the years that I made run way longer than they should have. They stayed on the road way longer than they should have because I learned how to fix them. And, and that was out of necessity. That wasn't a hobby. That was, that was purely because I didn't have enough money to replace them or to pay someone to do the work to keep them running. And so I learned how to do all this stuff, right? I, 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 and, and I learned how to do it with, a, with an adjustable wrench and, and two screwdrivers, right? You just learn how to make things work. I would drop the engine out of my Volkswagen van onto my skateboard and then roll it into my parents' garage in order to, to replace the heads because um, they would warp. That's a whole other story. Um, but here's, here's the thing, right? I follow. I no longer do a lot of that, thankfully. Um, but uh, I follow mechanics on social media. I kind of get a kick out of, out of um, what they're doing, what they're building, and, and often their humor. Uh, one of them posted a picture the other day, and the caption said, customer came in because engine was stuttering. And the picture was underneath the car, and they were draining the oil. So it was, it was the oil draining from the car into a bucket, but it was bright green. Now, I don't know if you know anything about cars, but I'll tell you this. Oil is not 
bright green. In fact, antifreeze is bright green. Antifreeze goes into your radiator. Oil goes into your engine. One is meant to cool the engine and keep the water from boiling. The other is meant to lubricate the moving parts. They don't work in the other spot, right? This, this car was, was shot. Um, and honestly, I wonder if uh, some of us are like this. If, if we're like this. We keep pushing forward in exhaustion. The engine is stuttering, and we keep pushing forward. And, and what we tell ourselves is, if I can just get to the next destination, then, then the engine will cool off, and, and I'll, the, the, my energy will be restored, my joy will be restored, my, my focus will be restored. If I can just get past this pandemic, if I can just get back to some regular rhythm, if I can just get away from my kids for 10 minutes, if I can just, right, we, we set these, these waypoints along the journey thinking that if I can just keep going, eventually I can outrun the stuttering engine. And, and we don't pause to ask the obvious question. Is the problem maybe not out there, but is the problem maybe in here? Maybe the problem isn't with, the destination or the journey on getting there, maybe the problem is what I'm filling the tank with, right? Maybe the problem is in here and not out there, right? Listen, you're filling yourself with something. All of us are. We are continually filling ourselves with something to give us energy, to calm our anxiety, to help us deal with negative emotions, to help us be motivated for work, right? We're always filling ourselves with something. And, and here's the bottom line for today. You were created to be filled with the Spirit of God. You were created in the image of God to be filled with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is life. And when the Spirit of God fills us, He fills us with life. And everything else we fill ourselves with, makes the engine stutter. Everything else we fill ourselves with robs us of life. What we need is to be filled with the Spirit of God. All right, last week, that's where we're going this morning. Last week, we saw in, in Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church, right? We were looking at Pentecost and, and the Spirit of God coming down, and, and, and that was the result of Jesus. In Acts 1-5, before he ascends into heaven, um, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and, and he says, I want you to hang out in Jerusalem after I, after I go, because you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, during the Feast of Pentecost, the disciples are all gathered in the upper room, the Holy Spirit descends, right? Flames of fire, loud rushing wind, crazy weirdness, right? Um, and, and, and the Spirit of God baptized them, right? Filled them. And, and it marked a new stage in redemptive history. We talked about that last week, that this was one of those, those huge milestones, a turning of the chapter, if you will, in the story of God. It is one of those really important moments when, when God changes a little bit of the plot line to keep moving his story of redemption and restoration moving forward, right? Previous to that, the Spirit was in the story. I want you to hear this. Right? The Spirit's been in the story all along. The, the Spirit is, is not just an inanimate force. Right? Way back in my history, when I was a Jehovah's Witness, that, that's what they taught, that, that the Holy Spirit was an it, not a who. And, and, and that, that um, you don't refer to it as a he. But, 
But Jesus referred to the Spirit as a he. The disciples and the apostles spoke about the Spirit as a he. And we see the Spirit acting in Scripture with will and action and passion, right? The Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three who's one what, right? It'll break your brain. Right, but, but the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son in glory, in power, in majesty. He is the third person of the Trinity. He was present in the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of creation like a hen hovers over her nest. Right, He has been present throughout the story and throughout Scripture, but now we see the Spirit dramatically engaging God's people Right? In, in, in a crazy way. He descends on them with fire and, and, and wind and he fills them and, and they are transformed. Now here's what I want you to catch, y'all. That event, as weird as it was and as remarkable as it was, became the new normal. That event, as crazy as it was, became the new normal. What do I mean by that? I've never seen flames of fire over people's heads, and honestly, I'll be happy if I never do. That, that's just weird, right? The Spirit of God hasn't shown up with a loud rushing wind, but every person who believes the gospel, including me, has had the same experience they had. In other words, the Spirit of God has baptized you, child of God. Now, I know if you're not a believer, this just sounds really weird, and I'm getting all creepy, and, but this is, this is what we believe and, and it's actually really important, okay? It's really important. Um, the way the Spirit works today may be less dramatic sometimes, right? No fire, no wind, but it's no less revolutionary. If you're a believer in Jesus, this thing has happened to you. Um, there, is, there is an initial filling of the Spirit when you believe, an initial baptism in the Spirit that occurs when you believe, right? Take a look at this. This is Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. It says, in him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed in the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. Right? The first part of that verse, when you heard the word of truth and believed in him, that tells us when this event takes place. Right? When you believed the gospel, when you responded to the invitation to believe in Jesus, when you realized that Jesus was crucified for you. It wasn't just a historic reality, it is a personal reality, right? He, he wasn't just a, a great figure in history, he was my savior presently, right? He, he took my sin, he died in my place, he was my substitute, he, he removed my guilt and my shame by dying under the weight of my sin, and then rose again. And in rising again, he left my sin on the cross and now covers me in his righteousness, right? In the moment you believe this incredible truth and you, re you respond to this gospel, you are baptized. That moment, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. Paul in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen specifically says that everyone who believes the gospel is baptized in the Spirit. The word bap baptized, baptizo, means to be immersed in, right? You are immersed in the Spirit. And so in Ephesians, our Ephesians passage here, what we see is that the Spirit does two things. The moment you believe, the Spirit does what? The Spirit seals you, right? He, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, and, and He is a guarantee of our inheritance, right? So He is a seal and a pledge. He is a seal. 
In the Old Testament uh, times, or even in the New Testament times, when, when a king wanted to send a letter to a faraway country, um, or, or to just somewhere right down the road, didn't really matter, they would write it out, and then they would wrap it up, and they'd put wax on it, and he would take his insignia and press it into it. So the king's ring carried the authority of the king, because what that said was, was only the person who receives this letter has the authority to break this seal, because this seal uh, is representative of all of my power, Right? If you don't want all of my power falling on you, leave the seal alone unless you're the one that gets to break it. We are sealed with the Spirit of God. The insignia of God himself, right? We are sealed with a destination. We, have been, we are protected. We are on a journey, and our protection doesn't come from our performance for God. Our protection comes from God's sealing us in the finished work of Christ. The Spirit comes and seals us, and, and then in addition, he is a guarantee of the inheritance. He is a down payment, a pledge of the greater inheritance of the kingdom of God. Child of God, you don't just receive forgiveness when you believe in Christ. You receive everything Christ has earned. You become a co-heir with Christ. You are covered in the righteousness of Christ and you become a co-heir with Christ. You will receive the kingdom of God. You will enter into the fullness of life that God has promised when he redeems and restores all humanity, and the Spirit of God is presently a down payment of that future blessing. He is the first fruits of kingdom blessing. The Spirit is your first taste of the kingdom of God. So let me ask you, if the Spirit is in fact the down payment of your greatest blessing, if He is the the kind of the ambassador to your heart of this incredible blessing that awaits us because of the, the, the victorious work of Jesus. If he is, in fact, the first taste of the fullness of life that we all yearn for and long for, and he is yours, he, he indwells you, you have been baptized in him, he is the foretaste of all that is good, let me ask you this, how is your relationship with the Spirit of God? How is your walk in the Spirit? Are you, like the disciples in Acts chapter 2, overflowing with joy and energy and purpose and generosity and boldness? Or are you spiritually flat, struggling to find joy, energy, purpose, stuck in the same pattern of sin. Listen, y'all, you are baptized in the Spirit. Believer, you are baptized in the Spirit. Sometimes this, this, this struggle can be so difficult that we'll even start questioning whether or not we're Christians. We'll start questioning whether or not we've been, even been baptized in the Spirit because we start looking at our lives instead of Christ's life. And we start trying to find security in what we do for God instead of what God has done for us. Of course, that is, that is a black hole that will swallow you, right? You are not secure because of your performance for God. You are secure because of God's performance for you. You are baptized in the Spirit. But that does not necessarily mean that you will automatically experience the fullness of the blessing that's been given to you in the Spirit. You've been given everything in the Spirit, but I guarantee you, you are not currently experiencing everything that you have been given. And that's why in Ephesians 5, there's one critical verse that I want to focus on this morning. 
And it's Ephesians 5.18. It says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I want you to see that there is a parallel construction here. These aren't just two random commands that are just kind of listed side by side. It is a parallel construction. Don't be drunk, instead be filled. Don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. So let's break this apart a little bit so that we can understand uh, what this verse is saying to us. First of all, don't get drunk with wine. The, uh, the Greek word for drunk, methusko, um, means drunk, right? Uh, but it is interesting. There are some nuances to it, right? It means get drunk or intoxicated. Homer, who was writing in classical Greek literature, used this word when he was describing the stretching of a bull's hide. And in order to make it more elastic, they would soak it with fat, methusko. They would methusko it in fat. They would soak it in fat, right? So when he says, don't get drunk with wine, He's meaning don't, don't get soaked in wine. Don't, don't get filled with wine. Don't, don't become um, saturated with wine. Why? Well, he says because that's debauchery. And you're like, not helping me here, Steve, right? Debauchery is one of those great words that we find in literature and in the Bible and not really anywhere else, right? You don't hear people like, hey, we're going to go debauching this weekend, right? That, that's just not a word we tend to use outside of, of kind of very specific contexts. What in the world does the word mean? The Greek word for debauchery, um, asotia, comes from the Greek word sozo. And you're like, Steve, this doesn't help. Okay, stick with me. Sozo means to save, Right? A sotia, A means negative. It means not to save, right? Literally what he's saying is it can't save. There's no saving quality about it. Don't get drunk with wine because there's no saving quality about it. Therefore, it's destructive. It's wasteful. It's useless. Don't get soaked in wine because it can't save you. It can't give you what you're hoping it'll give you. It can't. All right, let me ask you this. Why do people get drunk? There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons, right? And I'm not talking about like the celebration or the wedding feast or the, you know, somebody going out and I'm talking about, about why do people get drunk? I had a, a friend that I worked with decades ago, Billy. I loved him. He was a big guy, huge laugh, um, just a warm personality. And, uh, and I worked with them at a restaurant. I was a server. And, and um, every weekend, man, every weekend he invited me out to his parties because he, this guy, he, he partied every night and he partied like twice as much every weekend. It was so much that, that even on the days he wasn't partying, um, like I could smell the alcohol coming out of his pores. He was, he was literally soaked in, in alcohol. Um, I loved that guy. He had a huge smile. He had lots of laughter. But as I got to know him, man, I, I came to see kind of a haunting sadness behind his eyes. Like he, he was talking about partying, but he wasn't partying. He was running. Right? He, he wasn't doing this because he had so much joy. He wanted to share it with others. He was doing it because he had some deep pain. And he was running from that pain. And he was running to partying and wine and drinking in order to escape it, right? Listen, a, a lot of people drink to run from something. Loneliness, shame, anxiety, restless boredom. 
So they run from the negative emotions and instead run to something that can dull them or mask them or replace them temporarily with something else. And some of you are all like, Steve, man, it's a good thing I don't drink. Man, good thing that's never been my, my temptation. I can have a glass of wine with dinner and I have no temptation to, to go further. And besides, I'm too busy working to waste my time drinking. Yeah, well, maybe your work is your wine. See, Paul is talking about wine, but he's not only talking about wine. He is talking about anything that we fill ourselves with that we hope will save us. We're always filling ourselves with something. Paul is talking about um, anything we fill ourselves with that will help us help to save us from, from our anxiety, from, from our loneliness, from our shame, from that nagging sense of, of inadequacy, from that restless boredom that we hate to feel, from, from that dark sadness that seems to always be there under the surface and, and we just are afraid it's going to swallow us. Look, y'all, I, I know a guy who is driven to succeed. And the reality is, is no matter how much success he got, it was never enough. Right? He wasn't running to success. He was running from a, feel, a feeling of inadequacy or, or shame or loneliness. There was something driving him, and there was no amount of success that could ever fill that deep need for him. I know a guy who was driven to accumulate wealth. For him, it wasn't about reputation and success. It was purely about getting enough wealth to... to um, but here's the thing, he could never be rich enough. Never, that he could never have enough money to actually do what he was hoping it would do. I have other friends that are driven by distraction. Movies, video games, social media. You can never get enough, right? There's, there's never enough gaming. There's never enough movies. There's never enough Netflix series. There's never enough social media. I have a lot of friends who have become addicted in the process, addicted to, to social media, addicted to distractions, some addicted to wine, some addicted to food, some addicted to porn. And here's the thing, man. When what we're filling ourselves with becomes an addiction, what that means is, is we have to get more and more of it to get less and less reward from it. Right? We, we keep running to it, and the more we get, the less we enjoy, but we can't stop because we're running from something. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Don't try to fill yourself with all these things that God created that can't save you because they can't do for you what only God can do. They can't deliver you from what you're trying to be delivered from. They, they just can't do it. Don't be filled with wine, Paul says. Instead, we should be filled with the Spirit. There is something better than alcohol. There's something better than success. There's something better than pleasure. There's something better than sex or, or food or sleep. 
be filled with the Spirit. Now, be filled, uh, interesting grammatical construction here. It's a present imperative. And what that means is, is that it's a command in the continuous present sense. So, in other words, it, it, we are being commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So, in other words, there's a piece of this that is contingent on our ability to engage it and do it. It's not automatic. You are, this is not one of, those, one of those, what we call, passive gift of the Spirit, right? You are sealed. You are baptized. Those are passive gifts of the Spirit. You believed in the gospel. The Spirit of God just does those things for you, over you, in you. They are yours. This is a command. Be filled which means that it is contingent on our obedience to that command. We need to engage it and do it to receive the benefit of it. And it is present tense, continuous present. So it, it literally says, be being filled. Like this is not a one-time thing you do. And then you're good and you don't have to do it again. It is a pattern of life. It's not a single action. It is a series of actions. It is, a, it is a, a complete restructuring of the posture of my heart. It is not simply a gesture I perform and then receive a benefit. It is a, it is a new posture, an alien posture for my heart. I have to learn how to do this continuously. Be being filled with the Spirit. Filling is not automatic or guaranteed. It is conditional. Because it is a command. Which means we will receive the benefit of it as we obey it and engage it. Now, in order for this obey, uh, command to be obeyed, the Spirit has to be pursued. Like, like, to obey this command, we have to obey the Spirit, right? So Paul is telling us um, what we're supposed to do here and when. Right? We are to be continuously filled with the Spirit. When? All the time. Right? So he's answering the what, and he's answering the when. There are three important questions we're going to engage through the rest of this series. Why? How? And, and, and ultimately, where? Now, to give you a small taste of where we're going, because I think it's important for us this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the why, and I want to talk a little bit about the how, but, but we're going to dig into that more in coming messages, okay? Why? Why do we want to be being filled with the Spirit, right? The reason we keep going back to these other things is because they give us a promise and we like what it promises. The reason we keep going back to these other things is, is because there is some pleasure that they give to us, some distraction, some numbing, um, some, some, there's something it does for us that we're attracted to keep going back. Why should we set aside that, even if it's just temporary comfort? Why should we set aside the temporary comfort to engage this? Well, the first and best answer is because God said to. Right? When something is a sin, we want to stop doing it purely because the God of all holiness and righteousness told us to stop doing it. Right? We were created in the image of God to live for the glory of God. That is the human job description. That is what we were created to do. It's the purpose of our existence. And so the first and best answer is we need to do it because God said to do it. And, and, and that should ultimately and will ultimately. One day that will make perfect sense to us, even though we struggle with that now. But, but I do want to share with you there are actual, real, tangible benefits. It is better for you, right? Let me share this verse from you. This is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and, uh, and 23. 
It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, I want you to notice, we're going to get into this, but I want you to notice it's singular. These aren't the fruits. This is the fruit. When you are filled with the Spirit, when you are walking in the Spirit, when you're keeping in step with the Spirit, as Galatians 5 puts it, there's a fruit that grows within you, right? This isn't a list of character traits that you're supposed to list out and turn into your self-improvement project, right? This isn't a list of character traits that, that if you get better at these things, then you'll experience some benefit in your relationship with God. That, that's not what this is saying at all. It's saying that when you walk in the Spirit or when you, uh, when you abide in the Spirit or when you are filled with the Spirit, He bears fruit within you, right? This is what grows, so it's not a list of things that you're doing for God. It's a list of things that God is doing in you. It is a list of what God is producing in you. So, so let me ask you again, why? Why do we get soaked? Why do we seek to be filled with other things besides the Spirit? Wine, success, distraction, food, opulence, experience, right? Why, why do we seek to fill ourselves with these things, because we're trying to fill the tank that, that ultimately helps us feel energy, that helps us feel purpose, that helps us feel worthy, that helps us feel loved, that, that, that helps us feel secure and safe. We're, we're trying to fill this, this tank that... that, that we need so that we can move forward with security, purpose, energy, and joy, right? We're filling our tank with, with ultimately whatever seems to promise to meet those needs. When you look at this list in Ephesians, or excuse me, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and you think about the need that drives you. Now, you may not know yet. You may need to do some more hard work to really figure out what need is underneath the behavior. Right? Like, you're like, oh, I just have a porn problem. Okay, but why? Well, it's lust. Okay, but why? People that are addicted to porn, generally, lust is, is um, the band-aid they're putting over the wound. What's the wound? What is it, the deep sense of loneliness or inadequacy or that sense that you're unloved and unlovable or that, that deep uh, hurt or that... What, when we, our addictions are driven by our pains, right? So, so when you think about this, this deep driving need that compels you, and then you think about this list in, in, in Galatians 5, is there any deep need that you have that's not met on this list? Listen, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. An over, overwhelming, abounding sense of, of being loved and sharing love, of, of joy, like, like not just temporary fleeting happiness, but a deep welling sense of, of security and the joy that, that just comes from that warmth of, 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 of being where you want to be and who you want to be with, right? Love, joy, peace, <laughs> Right? The opposite of anxiety, love, joy, peace, patience. Right? The ability to put up with people that, that will just drive you crazy, 
but they can't pull out of you what's not there to be pulled out, right? When you flare up in anger at somebody, it's not their fault. They're just pulling out what's you've been hidden, hiding in here, right? Patience, long-suffering is another way of putting that, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Is there anything on this list? That is there, do you have any deep need that is not met by the fruit of the Spirit? Listen to me, you want this. This is what you're chasing and not getting. This is why you want to be filled with the Spirit. Over the years, I can look back and I can see specific times when I was filled with the Spirit. I didn't know what it was, especially early, in my early days of, of being a believer. I remember uh, being in my Volkswagen van, and I had a landscaping business, and, and uh, I had converted my van into my work truck, and I had everything packed behind me, and I was in San Diego traffic, and I was behind, and, uh, and, and, and it, was, it was a situation in which I should have been frustrated. I should have been angry, but you know what I was doing? I was singing a hymn. My radio was broken. No, I don't think it got stolen, but I was singing a hymn. And, and, and as I was singing this hymn, I remember like this overwhelming sense of security and joy, of being loved. I was weeping. Like people are looking at me and I'm up here in the van just singing my brains out, weeping. Like I was filled with the Spirit and it was an overwhelming sense of the presence and the goodness and the love and the security of God. Right? There are other times I, I can remember going through um, uh, struggles where, where I would be praying and I would be struggling and there were sin patterns in my life I couldn't overcome and, and, and I was so frustrated. I felt like a failure and, and, and finally in a place of hopelessness, something actually clicked in my heart and I found humility and dependence and I experienced radical deliverance. Like, not the result of my effort for God, but radical deliverance and change that was God's gift to me. Like, God setting me free in ways I could never set myself free. It was like, it was like I was filled with the Spirit, which led to seasons of, of, of peace and joy and self-control that, that I could never produce in myself. I remember going through times of conflict when um, everything around me was provoking me to anger and short-temperedness, where I could have done real damage had I... Had I but I remember the Spirit of God, like giving me a, a humility beyond my, like this wasn't me. It gave me a gentleness in, when I was being confronted or confronting others. I, I grew in this and, 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 and I remember times that I could have done real damage and the Spirit of God protected me purely because in the moment he gave me a supernatural filling of his presence. I also remember a lot of times when the Spirit felt far away. And I don't mean in a far distant past. I, I mean in the last week. There are, there are times when I'm, when, I, when I'm filled with the Spirit and it is an overwhelming experience of joy and there are times when He feels so far away and I am restless, I am frustrated, I am angsty and I feel exposed. I say the wrong things, I do the wrong things, I'm not self-controlled, I am, am short-tempered. Am... So, how? That's the Why? Why do we want to be filled with the Spirit? Because it manifests within us the fruit of the Spirit, the very things we're craving to have. How do we get there, y'all? How do we get there? Is, is the filling of the fruit of the Spirit the reward of a holy life? 
Like if I'm just good enough, then the Spirit of God will indwell me and give me these good things. If I can just stop doing these things and start doing these things, then will the Spirit of God come in and, 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 and as a reward, give me this wonderful fruitfulness. And, and maybe even some of you are feeling that right now. You're feeling condemned and distant from God, and you're like, I can never experience what you're describing, Steve, because there are things in my life I can't control. There are problems I haven't solved. There are sins I haven't overcome. And until I do, I don't think God can bless me. And you are misunderstanding how you receive the filling of the Spirit. You are misunderstanding how you experience the fruit of the Spirit. Now again, we're going to look at this in more depth in coming weeks. In fact, next week, we're going over to John chapter 15, and we're going to be talking specifically about how we are filled in the Spirit. But I want us to take a look, because Paul actually tells us right here in this chapter, at the beginning of the chapter, Paul says something critical that sets the stage for the rest of the chapter. In in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, here's your solution right here. Here's how you do it, right? Be imitators of God. And you're like, Steve... That does not help. <laughs> How am I supposed to imitate God? Right? He's, he's perfect. Right? Um, okay. Listen. Look at the context. Right? Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk, what? In love. He's not saying be perfect like God is perfect in order to, to make God happy. He's saying imitate the way God has loved you by entering into love and learning to be loved and to love. And some people get, I, I don't know why, some people get queasy when I talk about how important it is that we awaken our experience of being loved by God. They're like, Steve, you're just being all feely. You're just getting all emotional. You just need to know the right things and do the right things. And I'm like, mm, you're wrong. And, and honestly, if I pulled back the layers of the veneer on your heart, I, I think we would both admit you're wrong. Because, because listen, our deepest need is to be loved. And it's in being love that we learn to love. It is in being love that we learn to, to actually imitate Christ, right? Love. And, and in fact, it's right here in the verse. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. That, that's not Paul guilting us and saying, look how much Jesus did, you better do more. Jesus gave up his life, what are you giving up? That's not what he's saying. He's saying imitate God. Right? God moved in love. Move in love. Right? Move in love. Jesus, the deepest, most profound thing Jesus knew about himself was that he was the son of the Father. And we see that coming out again and again in his, his ministry, right? Before he begins his public ministry, he's baptized, and the, God speaks, right? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove, and, and you got Jesus coming up out of the water, and the Father speaks, right? The three persons of the Trinity. And what does the Father say? Does he say, go and do good work, Jesus? Does he say, all right, now comes the hard stuff, make me proud? No, what does he say? He says, this is my beloved Son in whom all my delight rests. The most important thing that is declared above Jesus before he does the work of the mission that's been entrusted to him is that he is deeply, infinitely, permanently abiding in the love of his Father. If Jesus needed to hear that, we need to hear that too. We need to r respond to the love of God. In this chapter, when you read through Ephesians 5, there are all kinds of commands about setting aside your greed, setting aside your sexual immorality, setting aside um, you know, your misuse of speaking, setting aside your, all of your, your addictions and, and the things that you're turning to that aren't God. But the, 
the driving question is, how do you do that? You do that by being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not the reward for doing that. Being filled with the Spirit is how you do that. So how do you be filled with the Spirit? You respond to the love of God. You you hear the voice of the Father. You are a believer in Christ. And when Christ looks at you, all the delight that the Father has for the Son, He now has for you. And He has, in fact, given you His very Spirit to indwell you. The filling of the Spirit is not the reward of a holy life. It is the pathway to a holy life. It is responding to the love of God, knowing I am deeply loved, that allows me to then grow in love for God and for others. It is what equips me to obey the single great command in which all the rest of the commands are summarized. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. We're going to dig into this more next week, but y'all, this is the secret. This is the how. In order to be filled with the Spirit of God, we need to be filled with the love of God. And this is going to require us to repent of the things that we're turning to to, to fill us instead of what God is filling us, right? Not as a reward, but as a pathway. If I'm going to experience the love of God, as I awaken, get awakened to the love of God and to the beautiful invitation of the gospel, I'm going to find myself setting things aside that I used to turn to instead of him. Right? Repentance is the result of being loved, not the pathway to being loved. Right? It, but it's going to require repentance. It's going to require me to grow in faith. Now listen, responding to the love of God is actually what grows your faith. Being filled with the Spirit isn't a reward for your faith. It is the pathway to growing your faith. It's going to require you to grow in humility and dependence. And ironically, humility and dependence, while it is the foundation necessary to, to respond to the love of God, we grow in humility and dependence by growing in our experience the love of God. To be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with love. Because God is love. And responding to God's love, submitting and responding to God's love, when, 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 when we are sent out in God's love, we grow in our responsiveness to God's love. Continually, moment by moment, be, being, Filled. So, so we're going to dig into this, but, but for this week, here, here's what I want to leave you. One, man, pray. Pray that God would open your eyes to those things that you're filling yourself with that aren't the Spirit. Like, like ask Him to show you what you're turning to that isn't Him. Those things that can't save you and you're asking them to save you, right? And then ask Him for the gift of repentance. Ask him to, to, to change your heart and awaken you to the beautiful gift of love in him. And then ask the Spirit to fill you. Right? Pray to the Spirit and ask the Spirit to fill you with an overwhelming sense of the love of God. Now remember, the filling isn't a reward. It is a response. It is a relationship. As we learn to respond to the love of God, we become awakened to the presence of the Spirit of God within us. And even if we don't know what's happening, we become filled with the Spirit. And so uh, if you find yourself frustrated, if you find yourself beating your head against the wall, if you find yourself, don't beat yourself up. Don't think I'm not doing it good enough. Don't, don't give up. Right? You have to change in order to grow. You have to stop believing the lies that are enslaving you to be set free into the truth that will, that will ultimately set you free. Be patient. Be humble. And when you find yourself once again in need of the fruit of the Spirit, 
just humbly come back and ask for a filling. That you will be being filled with the Spirit of God. Because remember, y'all, be being filled. This is a continuous discovery and journey. We learn how to do this. We grow into doing this. None of us have it figured out. But praise God, He does. And He's not waiting to reward us for our success. He is progressively setting us free into the reward of His success. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And uh, then we're going to share communion and we will continue worshiping together. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the work of Christ. That Jesus died my death so that I could live his life. That he was my substitute in death so that I could become his partner in blessing. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given me the gift of the Spirit. And each one of us who have believed. That, that the Spirit isn't a reward for my accomplishment for you. It is part of the benefit of your accomplishment for me. Father, I pray that this week you will awaken within us an increased sense of humble dependence on the Spirit. That you will awaken within us a, an increased responsiveness to your love. That you will awaken within us an increased desperation for the fruit that only the Spirit can bear in our lives. That you will awaken within us an increased um, frustration with the false gods that would enslave us. And even a righteous anger toward those things in ourselves, in our communities, and in our culture that we ultimately build to try, try to find the flourishing of life that ultimately cannot bring us in to the fullness and the flourishing of life. Awaken within us, Lord, a yearning, a restless yearning, not, not of us running from the pain, but a restless yearning for more of your comfort, for more of your presence, for more of your love. Awaken within us a desire for more of you. We will now continue worshiping through the sharing of communion.